Colossians chapter 1, if you would, open your, your Bible to, uh, to Colossians chapter 1. At the end of the service today, we are going to take the Lord's Supper together. I always love for us to be able to take the Lord's Supper on Graduate Sunday, that with these students, we gather around the Lord's table to remember where our hope is found, that, that we are gathered here taking the Lord's Supper. And, and remember this, kids, this can be really helpful to you guys and, and to your parents. Just remember this about the way church works. Baptism is something that we do one time. Baptism is that confession of our, it's showing what God's done in our life. And so we're baptized one time. And you kind of think of like baptism as the starting line, the, the, the beginning of your, of your Christian walk. And then when I meet with kids about baptism, I always ask them, how many times are you going to be baptized? And they always tell me one time. And then I ask them, how many times are you going to take the Lord's Supper? And they never really know exactly how to answer when they're in my office and we're talking about this. And I tell them, I hope it's thousands of times. That as you grow in faith, as you get older, that you remain connected to a church family where you come together to celebrate God's work in your life through Jesus. And so, graduates, taking the Lord's Supper this morning, hope you take it hundreds, maybe thousands more times in your life. As you gather with the church, you stay connected to a church where they continue to point you toward Jesus. And so, we're going to be able to do that together this morning at the end of the service. After the service, if you are a guest here or if you're here this morning and you just need prayer, you need someone to encourage you, talk about faith. Maybe you want to be baptized. At the end of the service, after the Lord's Supper, we just stay right up here at the front. And we would love to encourage you, love to pray for you, however, however we can in that. Now, with all that said, let me also say this. I know what time it is, okay? We plan for this. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Don't, don't panic. We, we know what time it is. And we're going we're gonna to work through that this morning. But... As we come to this morning's message, this morning's sermon, oftentimes during the month of May, our church will just step back and say, who are we as a church? What are we called to be? What are we called to do? What does it mean to be a church of Jesus Christ? What does that, what does that look like? And so during May, we often do something that we call E-May Us, all right? E-May Us, like who are we as a church? So Star Wars has May the 4th be with you. Justin Timberlake has It's Gonna Be May. Uh, at Emmaus, we have Emmaus. This is just something that we do along the way. One helpful part of Emmaus is it helps people pronounce our church's name correctly. <laughs> You've probably talked to people and they're like, what is that church that you attend over there on Western Avenue? Like, what's the, what, how do you pronounce that? What's the name of the church? The other day, I was sending a text message and I was in a hurry, so I was doing the voice-to-text option on my phone. And I said something about Emmaus Baptist Church. And I looked down at the phone, and it said, A mess, Baptist Church. <laughs> I was like, that, funny because it's true. Funny because it's true. Like, <laughs> that is, uh, that's kind of disconcerting. But, uh, so we are not a mess, Baptist Church. We are Emmaus Baptist Church. And this morning, I just want to talk through who we are as a church. Because when you have clarity about who you are and what you're supposed to do. Graduates, I know many of you are going into next year and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Some of you are going into next year saying, I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm not sure what this is going to look like. Even if you don't know exactly what your next step is going to look like, 
clarity about who you are and what you've been called to do is, is so helpful. And so it provides unity in a church. It keeps us focused. It keeps us focused on missions, especially if you're in those gray zones, those in-between times in life, and you just don't know exactly what you're supposed to be doing specifically. When you have a clear vision for your life and your church, it, it helps out so much. I know many of you here this morning aren't members at Emmaus. You're here as a guest. You're here maybe with family members because of Grad Sunday or for other reasons. Don't check out on me because what we're going to talk about with Emmaus, who we are as a church, what we're going to talk about this morning is a great picture of what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And so if you ever wonder, hey, why do I go to church? What does it look like to live out my Christian faith? What are we supposed to be doing? I hope this morning will be really helpful to you. All right, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Just some foundational verses for church life, who we are as a church. And I want to walk through some of these verses in the book of Colossians. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Here's what it says there. Verses are up on the screen if you need them. Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. If I could point you to one word in that verse this morning, it would be the word sufferings. That the Christian life, that being connected to Christ, that being a part of a church is going to include times of sufferings. Now, there is a phrase in there that could be so confusing theologically, so let's make sure we're really clear about what this verse is saying. It says there, Paul says that in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now you read that and you're like, so did Jesus' sufferings, does his death on the cross not complete the work of salvation? Like is there something else that has to be done? That's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is not saying that something was lacking in Christ to achieve salvation. On the cross, what did Jesus say? He said, it is finished. Everything that he came to do through his life and his death to bring salvation has been accomplished. So Paul is not saying that something is lacking for your salvation. Here's what he's saying, though. The sufferings of those who are in Christ didn't stop with Jesus. That the church will continue to extend the sufferings of Christ out into the world because as we suffer, what happens? More people come to know who Jesus is. As we suffer, the good news of Jesus goes out into the world. And so Paul says, if you are going to follow Jesus, you are going to face sufferings. And you, through your sufferings, are able to build up the church. You are able to extend the gospel. Um, Thursday afternoon, I went over to OBU. Shout out to graduates going to OBU or considering OBU. Uh, so uh, I went over to OBU for the Board of Trustees meeting. And before the Board of Trustees meeting, they had a missions forum with an author named Nick Ripkin. Uh, Nick Ripkin is not his actual name. He writes under that name because he's written books like uh, called The Insanity of God and The Insanity of Obedience. And Nick Ripkin, his ministry, much of it has been meeting with a persecuted church around the world. And so he will go on in, he and his wife, and they will interview persecuted believers in other places around the world and share those findings, share those conversations with the church in America. And he said, if I could share with you one thing from the persecuted church around the world, here's what I would share with you. Suffering and persecution is normal in the Christian life. 
We think if persecution or suffering happens because of our faith, something has gone wrong. He said believers around the world in the persecuted church, they would tell you that's the New Testament. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus, that we are going to suffer. And, and Paul specifically here is writing as a minister to the church, saying that his sufferings are filling up what is lacking, are extending the sufferings of Christ. I want to be really clear about this. Pastoring Emmaus is an unbelievable privilege and gift for my family. I, I, I can't tell you how great this church is to be a part of, how good you are to us, how much I wake up every single day excited to be a part of this church family. At the same time, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about all these things that he went through. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he suffered in all these different ways, and he gets to the very end of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he says, on top of all that was my daily concern for the church. And something I want you to know about this suffering, something that, that I want you to, to hear, is that for a pastor, you can shipwreck them, <laughs> you can beat them, you can imprison them, you can starve them, they can go through all that, and nothing compares to the daily burden that I feel for you. How much I love you, and care for you, and the suffering that you face as a pastor just because you see people not following Jesus. The suffering that you face as a pastor just because you see people hurting. And so when, when you think about the next couple of weeks, and you guys have talked about how can you pray for me over the next couple of weeks as I step back on, on a sabbatical, I'm not taking a sabbatical because I'm sad. <laughs> I'm not taking a sabbatical because I'm thinking about leaving. I'm taking a sabbatical because in pastoring, you carry a weight of suffering and difficulty that's impossible to explain, but you are so good to say, we want you to refresh. We want you to refocus. We want you to know that you're prayed for. In the Christian faith, we will suffer, but we suffer to build up the church and extend the gospel. Verse 25. Verse 25. Paul says, of this, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. So in other words, Paul didn't make up this career choice. He says he was given this task by the Lord. It's a stewardship that came from God that was given to me for you. For what purpose? To make the word of God fully known. Remember, in the church, we don't need supermen or superwomen. We don't need saviors. We already have one of those. He's perfect. What we need are servants and stewards. People who say, I'm going to take what God has given me, and I'm going to turn around and bless others. My only job in life is not to impress anybody. It's not to prove anything. It's just to serve Jesus. In a church, we don't need supermen or superwomen. We don't need saviors. We need servants and stewards that are going to take the word of God and share that with one another. For what purpose? To build up the church and advance the gospel. Verse 26. Verse 26, Paul says, this word of God, what is it? It's the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but it's now been revealed to the saints. 27, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you're a Bible underliner or a Bible highlighter, underline the part that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In church, what do we know? Other people will disappoint us. Other people will let us down. But our ultimate hope in life is not what another person does. It's that we have Christ in us. That is our hope. Graduates, 
Your great hope in life is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He working in you, transforming your life. That's where you find a foundation for your life. That's where you find hope in life. Verse 28, so what do we do? What do we do in verse 28? Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then Paul says, for this I toil, struggling with all of God's energy that he powerfully works within me. What are we going to be about as a church? We are going to talk about Jesus. We are going to proclaim Jesus. If we do church right, we need to speak about Jesus way more than we speak about Emmaus. We don't need people to know about Emmaus. We need people to know about Jesus. And we are going to proclaim him to the world around us so that other people will know the hope that's found in him and their lives will become mature, become perfect, become complete in Christ. Here's a little encouragement for you. And hear, hear me out on this. Zero guilt. <laughs> Zero judgment on this, okay? But just this is purely an encouragement for you to think about your faith in, in the world. We live in a part of the world where if you talk about God, G-O-D, if you talk about God, generally speaking, people will go with you on that conversation. They're not going to make a big deal about it. They're just going to they're, they're kind of roll with it. They believe in God. You believe in God. It's all good. You talk about Jesus that's when things start to get a little bit awkward. Uh, that's when things start to get a little bit different because it becomes very specific on what you mean about God's work in the world. If you're trying to think about how can I be better about sharing my faith? How can I be better about having gospel conversations with people? If you just practice taking regular conversations and saying instead of just speaking generally about God, I want to speak to people about Jesus. Him we proclaim. I'm going to talk to my friends about Jesus. I'm going to talk to about my neighbors about Jesus. That one small change, number one, just fair warning, will make conversations more difficult and more awkward, but they will also guide those conversations to avoid a very specific point about where is your hope found, and you can talk about Jesus, about his work in your life. And so what is our purpose? Our purpose is to proclaim Jesus. In fact, we have a verse about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. When people join Emmaus, we have people stand up and say, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. What's our role? We're servants for Jesus' sake. We want people to proclaim Jesus. We are going to proclaim Jesus, and we are going to serve others. So, with that being said, who are we as a church? Well, at Emmaus, we exist to proclaim and display Jesus. If anybody asks, who are we as a church? What are we trying to do as a church? We exist to proclaim and display Jesus. We want to speak about Jesus to the world around us, and we want to live lives that when people encounter us, they're like, oh yeah, that's how Jesus would live. That is Jesus working through them. And even better, we want our words and our actions to match because what is the worst form of religious, religious life, religiosity? It's when your words and your actions don't match. If we proclaim Jesus and talk about Jesus and our lives don't look like Jesus, what does that do to other people? Man, that turns people off fast. They don't want anything to do with that. And, and on the flip side, we don't want to live nice ethical lives 
and never talk about Jesus because we never talk about what is the foundation for how we live. And so we are going to proclaim and display Jesus. We're going to speak about Jesus. We're going to say Jesus is Lord. We are going to worship him. And then we're going to seek to live the way that Jesus would have us live. How are we going to do that? Well, kids, we're going to do that up, in, out. I'm still waiting for this to go viral on TikTok. I haven't tried because, I, you know, it would require me to dance. But uh, there is a dance in here somewhere, okay? So we are going to live up toward God in worship. We are going to live in saying, God, I need you to change me on the inside. I need to be connected in relationships. And then we are going to go out into the world. So there's some version of this, like, Emmaus dance that looks like this. And I have no idea where it goes from there. But, uh... That's what it is. What are we going to do? We're going to proclaim and display Jesus up in worship, in, if the word discipleship makes sense to you, that's what we're talking about, out in missions. And don't think about those as like three completely separate areas. They're all interrelated. They're all interconnected. From those things, that reality, we exist to proclaim Jesus, proclaim and display Jesus up, in, and out. That reality, it impacts our job descriptions on staff, it impacts our budget. It impacts our scheduling. It's a reflection of theology. It is who we are going to be as a church. So, very quickly, I just want to walk you through each of those points and try to help you think through, what does this look like in my life? So, point number one, up, worship. This is a life of prayer and praise. So, to live up toward God in worship is a life of prayer and praise. It is giving all glory to God the Father. That we focus on God the Father, we give all glory to him, not to us, O oh God, not to us, but to your name be the glory. We are gonna live up lives of prayer and praise. We want our preschoolers and our elementary kids to learn to pray and to learn to praise God. We want our teenagers to be people of prayer and praise. We want senior adults who are dedicated to prayer and praise. Moms and dads, the only way they survive the day is through prayer and praise to God. That's how we live our lives. We live up. Because if we are living for this world or for ourselves, it's not going to last. We look up together. So what does that mean as a church? It means I need people around me who help me look up toward God. I need people around me who are praying with me and for me. I need people around me who are praising God, not just standing there because we are doing this together. And it meets this really contemporary need of the idea of identity. Who am I? I am created by God to worship him. Who am I? I am created by God to worship him. I am a worshiper of God. And the question, who are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Who gets your attention? Who gets your devotion? Who gets your praise? Who do you call out to for help in times of difficulty? Who are you worshiping? That when we gather as a church, we're going to be people of prayer and praise. So that's up. We are going to do that together. Number two, in. What is in all about? In says we need to be encouraged and equipped. In focuses on God the Son, that we are shaped into the image of God the Son. We are shaped into the image of of Jesus, that we begin to look more and more like Jesus in how we live. Spiritual fruit, spiritual gifts, transformed lives. How does this happen? 
It happens when God's word gets inside of us. <laughs> in, I need God to change me from the inside out. Because, why? How frustrating is it to try to live a religious life that looks good on the outside, but you know underneath the surface it's not real? And many of you could say, I've been there. Many of you could say, I tried to look religious on the outside, but it never was real on the inside. And I'll tell you, that'll wear you out in a hurry. And students, hear me loud and clear. This is that transition that happens after high school. You can feel pressure from your family, from your friends, to look religious on the outside, do the church thing, hold it all together, where inside you know, man, next year, like, I've just done this to, to get through high school, college, but it's not real on the inside. Make it real on the inside. Let God change you from the inside out because when he does that on the inside out, you don't have to make it up. You don't have to pretend. Your life becomes an overflow of what God is doing on the inside. And in means, how do I do that? I need other people in the church to help me grow. I need people to encourage me and equip me in the faith. What does it meet? It meets the modern need of community. We live in the most connected, yet lonely, isolated time in history. We are so connected because of our devices, because of technology, and yet you talk to teenagers, you talk to young adults, isolation and loneliness continue to creep up. Anxiety continues to creep up. These are the realities. I need people who are pouring into my life. I need people who are encouraging and equipping me. Who or what is shaping you? Who or what is impacting how you live? Shaping your character, shaping your decisions, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Church should be shaping us in such a way that we look more and more like Jesus. How do you do this? You need to be in a group, be connected to other people who are encouraging you. We're still old school enough at Emmaus that for a lot of people that looks like Sunday school, which is a great start. But remember, Sunday school is not the end goal. Sunday school puts you in relationships with people that then you begin to carry those relationships through the week. You begin to carry those relationships into your home and you continue to pray with those people and encourage those people and you're built up in the faith. Up, prayer and praise. In, I need to be encouraged and equipped. Out, I'm gonna give and go. The Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, sending us out, empowering us for the mission of God in the world. It meets the contemporary need for purpose. These students down here who are graduating, I know they are sick and tired of people asking them, hey, what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do next year? Like, ah, if anybody asks me one more time, I'm just going to, like, you know, go off the radar, just move away. Like, please don't ask me anymore what I'm going to do. Purpose. As a follower of Jesus, there are specific decisions to be made in life, but you don't have to worry about your purpose. Your purpose is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's it. That, that is what you've been called to do. I'm going to give my life away. I'm going to give my resources away. I'm going to go. Sometimes that means to my neighbors. Sometimes that means to other nations. I'm going to go for whatever career God has prepared you. I'm going to go. I'm going to share the good news of Jesus with people. What are you living for? If someone looks at your life, what are you worshiping? What's shaping your life? And what are you living for? That we would be people who live up toward God in prayer and praise. We would live inwardly, being transformed into the image of Jesus. 
and we would go out, empowered by the Spirit of God, to share the good news of Jesus in the world. So you think about this, and you imagine a church, you imagine a church where little kids love to come to church every week, and they learn to pray, and they learn to worship Jesus, and they become connected to friends who help them learn about Bible stories, and they have teachers and older adults who teach them about Bible stories, and pretty soon they watch them grow up, and they get to this point, and, and they're graduating, and those kids have been prepared along the way that their faith is not something they keep to themselves. They know that they share that faith with their friends and with the world around them, and so when they get to the point of graduation, it's not just, hey, I'm going to go live for myself now. It's, I'm being propelled by my church to go into the world and share the gospel. Or, you think about a friend in your neighborhood who you're praying for that they will become a Christian. I hope there's somebody that you're praying for that they'll become a Christian. You think about them. What are you praying? You're praying that they will come to look up toward God in worship, that their lives will be changed, transformed, that they would be connected to people who encourage them, and that they would be sent out to share the good news of Jesus with people around the world. This is what it looks like to be a part of a church. This is what God wants to do in our lives. What does God want to do in your life? Who are you worshiping? What's shaping you? What are you living for? At the end of our service today, we're going to come and take of the Lord's Supper together, unified as a church around this purpose that God has given us to proclaim and display Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that taking a piece of cracker that hopefully is less stale than it was last time, but we're going to see, we're going to find out. Taking a piece of cracker, taking a cup of juice, that does not make you a Christian. That does not take away your sins. Participating in this is an act of worship. It is saying this is where our hope is found. If you are here this morning and you are not a follower of Jesus, the most important thing that you can do is during this time, think about those questions. What am I living for? Who am I worshiping? Read the verses up on the screen, and then after we're finished, I'm going to be right down here at the front, and I would love to talk to you about what faith in Jesus looks like. Let me pray for us, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, we know we live in a world where, where for lots of reasons, and, and honestly some very good reasons, church can get a really bad rap. Uh, God, we come into a church family and we all bring baggage, we all bring background, we bring bad experiences, we all, we all understand that. But the body of Christ is such a gift. Being a part of a church family is such a gift. God, thank you for Emmaus. Thank you for the other incredible churches in this area. Thank you for believers that will meet together all around the world today for worship, discipleship, and missions. To look up, to look in, and then to go out. God, I pray for these graduates. God, let them live as worshipers. Let them live as disciples. Let them live as missionaries. God, do a good work in our church family. And God, I pray if there's someone here this morning who's never trusted in Jesus for salvation, never moved forward with baptism, God, let today be the day that they make that decision. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.